Hello, hello, hello. So I have some absolutely amazing news before I start this episode of the podcast. This month, Des Kelly Interiors will be sponsoring my podcast, The Shane Walsh Podcast, to celebrate Sleep Timber. Des Kelly Interiors are an Irish-owned business specializing in all things beds, mattresses, flooring, carpets, and home furnishings. They have nine showrooms across Dublin, Kildare, and Meath. This month, they are celebrating Sleep Timber, where they will be running massive discounts across all nine stores in their bedding department. They'll be talking all things sleep on their socials, so make sure to tune in. I've always talked about the importance of sleep and I've had the amazing Tom Coleman on and he has done the research for Des Kelly on this side of things as well. And I'm honored to be working with a brand that values sleep as much as I do. They have a huge range of beds and mattresses as well as a dedicated fitness connection range. They have very kindly offered and given me a discount code for all the listeners. When you quote Shane Walsh in store, you will get 10% off all beds and mattresses. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode and massive thank you to Des Kelly Interiors for sponsoring the podcast. So before I go into the episode of the podcast that you guys are eagerly waiting for, I want to announce that there is a brand new intake of the Female Fat Loss Program, which is starting on the 3rd of October. So the school stuff, all the sports stuff, getting the kids all settled should have calmed down by now, hopefully. And this is an amazing program and the results that are coming through, the people that are coming through are getting changing results and the whole point of the program is to educate you on how to your mental health your pms your pcos endometriosis fertility whatever it may be and it's an important program that it's not going to be like here's 10 kg weight loss in six weeks that's not what the whole program is about what the program is about is an education tool that's going to educate you on how to enjoy your weekends and still get the results you're looking for to reduce that all or nothing approach that that you may have ingrained in you and remove you away from the certain club mentality that's out there. So it's a six week program. It's priced at 169 for six weeks. It's a Facebook group with like-minded people. So you have that accountability. You've got weekly check-ins with myself. You've got weekly Q and A's. So there's a lot, it's very hands-on and it's a, it's an amazing program. And I'm very, very proud and, and humbled to have seen the results and the, the reaction to it so far. So if you're interested in working with me, head over to the link below and it's starting on the 3rd of October and the program and everything tailored program tailored workouts with videos home or at the gym tailored nutrition tailored calories recipe books the works will be sent over to you the Friday beforehand and then we will get going on the Monday nothing is off limits no silly food rules carbs and chocolate every day to get you away from that all or nothing mindset that may be ingrained so if you're interested in joining 3rd of October is when it's going to start so click in the link in the show notes and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hello, hello, hello. So welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today is a very special and kind of monumental episode for the podcast and it's episode 300. When I first started doing this in towards the very end of 2018, I think it was, I never thought I was going to even get to 50 episodes. So to get to 300 episodes is a massive thank you to every single person who has even downloaded it, listened to it, even a second of it, who has shared it, who has reviewed it, whatever it may be. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has. I also want to say a massive thank you to all the amazing guests that have come on as well. The Coaches Corners episodes with Jane and Dallas have been amazing as well. And I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone. And today's episode is a very special episode because as a qualified nutritionist, I want to kind of put out evidence-based information that's going to help everyone and one of those people that kind of helped me along the way was martin mcdonald so martin is the creator of mac nutrition and martin is a fully qualified dietitian and nutritionist and 
he has worked with athletes and gone into helping kind of general population now as well and providing proper education around things and one of the topics that we wanted to speak about today was PCOS so we speak about what is PCOS we speak about what insulin resistance is we talk about right does insulin resistance kind of override the kind of calorie in calorie out argument and I think that a lot of people are going to get a lot of information from this episode we talk about acceptance with PCOS as well we talk about the two biggest myths that are out there about PCOS we talk about a supplement that may aid you with your PCOS as well and the benefits who shouldn't take it then we talk about do people fail diets which is an interesting argument that I think a lot of the two of us were kind of on the same line we threw in a few other things in there as well and then we also talk about a very important point, which is hating yourself into change won't work for you if you're trying to do that with weight loss or whatever it may be. And Martin has got an amazing co- uh, conference kind of coming up on the 19th of November over in Nottingham. I've attended this as well as part of a part of my graduation as part of MNU as well. It's a Mac Nutrition Live conference on 19th of November 2022 is over in Nottingham. And the topics that he's going to be talking about and with guests, uh, guest appearances will be with on hypothetic amenorrhea eating disorders and energy availability how we can improve our relationship with food through a body-based lens and is intentional weight loss doing more harm than good and i think it's incredibly important the topics that are there i think that's there's been a massive shift towards those so if you are interested in attending that conference which i'd highly recommend any coach any nutritionist whatever it may be to attend that conference Martin has very kindly given myself a discount code for the listeners of the podcast, which is SWP10 for 10% off the actual cost. So that Mac Nutrition Live Conference on the 19th of November 2022 is in Nottingham. And Nottingham's a class city. I've been there many times. The University City, they've got a football team, loads of different things to do around the place. So hope you guys enjoy the episode with Martin McDonald. Martin, how are we, sir? Yes, I'm very well. Thank you. Thanks for long having me. T- long time no chat. I think the last time I saw you was shaking hands with you on my graduation. In 2019. Wow, that's a, it's a long old time. But yeah, yeah. Glad, to, glad to be back with you. Happy days. No, it's, it's amazing to kind of see the, the strength and strength and the, the growth that you've had with the, with MNU and the, the course. And I know there's kind of an open day, which you're going to talk about towards the end, or like a, 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 a seminar coming up. Um, in the next little while so I think for anyone who isn't aware of who you are and what you do can you give us a little bit of a brief background into that yeah sure so I guess my initial background is uh, was as a well clinical performance nutritionist so I, I went the sort of very normal route I guess it would be called um, at least you know whenever that was it's going back 20 years when I started training just doing my degrees and my um masters and postgraduate so I, I did sports nutrition and clinical nutrition and um initially was a performance nutritionist and then just i was also competing in natural bodybuilding at the time which i'm sure you've heard me say just it's the whole thing which even with instagram i'm still fighting it today and and was kind of part of it i never embellished it but you have a six pack oh my goodness, he must know about how to get a six pack. And it's like, no, I just starved myself for 12 weeks. That's it. I didn't do anything clever. It was horrible. Um, you know, if I did it now, I'd do it all com- completely differently. So uh, yeah, it was in this kind of sports nutrition world, but then got into the, I guess, weight loss world and working with general population instead of the kind of sp- 
you know, professional footballers and Team GB athletes and elite athletes that I originally wanted to work with, but actually found that really rewarding rather than making someone lift a few kilos more, run a few seconds faster, actually helping, you know, people, real people in the real world, achieving something that I felt, I feel like maybe it was came with age as well, just thinking, you know, you want to do something valuable in the world. So uh, yeah, then then became a you know a nutritionist for people, and then the, my Mac Nutrition consultancy grew, and you know became I took on staff and all that kind of stuff, and then you know then when I met you, it was 2016. We started Mac Nutrition Uni, and then you were on one of the sort of initial intakes of that, and then really now I'm I guess I would call myself more of an educator, and I guess in a weird way business owner uh you know we're chatting off there off air there just about the differences in being being a practitioner versus someone who kind of manages staff but i love i love people it's it's running a business anyone who's self-employed knows how hard it is but i do love all the different aspects of you know I, i don't know i'm just a bit of a geek for all sort of things like that i wanted to be an accountant believe it or not uh so i like numbers and and that sort of stuff uh and i like the marketing so anyway yeah that that's me now is really an educator mac nutrition uni obviously our 12 month course to help qualify people and um and i love doing kind of little podcasts like this to to give back a bit i guess um some of the the knowledge to help people yeah it's a, it's an amazing course like it's 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 intense but it is it is really good i know to what those case studies to have wake up and nightmares towards those exams prepping for those case studies i think uh, I, I think that's the thing people which has been nice it's stressful for me as well in that i know that's probably oh smallest violin like yeah, it's yeah. stressful for you i'm the one taking exams but <laughs> you know it's holding true and having integrity having to fail people occasionally and um you know never wanting to send that email to people but making it a legitimate course where if you do pass the exams the summative assessment it means something everyone knows most certifications qualifications even degrees uh you know people who i qualified with didn't turn up to 100% of the lectures sat the exam exams at the end and you know were no better for it but they've got a degree so we we want to make it mean something so i, I think through holding true to that uh so your nightmares they, they mean something shane <laughs> yeah exactly and i remember that one of the I think one of the big topics on the case study was in relation to pcs i think it was mm. one of the ones that was a big thing that it's kind of like a lot of the information has changed over the years as well it's kind of being more well known for what it is and people are it, it's ever evolving so can you explain what pcos pcos is and then we can kind of go into a little bit more questions around it yeah, sure. So PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, is, it, you know, it affects a lot of women. And you know, I actually saw something that went fairly viral the other day, a, a well-known internet, American internet doctor, who's a bit of a charlatan, essentially said, look, it's not a reproductive issue. It's not a metabolic issue. It's a nutritional issue. And basically stop eating carbs and sugar and you'll be sorted. And it went, because he's got several million followers and he's, I believe he was like a consultant for the Obamas. Um, and, you know, it's it's horrendous that someone like him has a platform. But realistically, it's the Rotterdam criteria is one of the ways of people getting diagnosed, but essentially cysts on the ovaries or hyperandrogenism. So 
the kind of testosterone is the simplest way of saying it being elevated in women. The insulin resistance uh, is an inherent part of the, um, I guess, disease syndrome, and which then leads to some of the things like facial hair growth and um, acne that some individuals suffer with. And then another key part of the criteria is this menstrual dysfunction. So there's a big fertility component in it, whether it's, you know, amenorrhea, complete loss of periods, or just a, you know, a dysregulated cycle. So lots of people suffer from it. And um, there are, you know, there are big things we can do nutritionally to help it. We can't fix it completely because of this um, intrinsic insulin resistance. So you you essentially, if you compare a, a woman with insulin resistance versus, you know, at the same, let's say, I don't want to say BMI, but I will, um, because it's, and hope, I reckon most of your listeners are sort of aware of the inherent issues with BMI. It's not perfect. Yeah. But even if we take it, body fat levels, you know, if we had a really, really great study that was using DEXA on every subject and we had body fat levels, if you compare like for like for a woman without PCOS, the level of insulin resistance in the woman with PCOS would be significantly greater, you know, on a like for like scale. So wherever you are on that continuum and let's use BMI, you might go, well, my BMI is healthy. Well, actually you're kind of at a genetic disadvantage or you are at a genetic disadvantage. So you might have to be in a much better place. You've been dealt a worse hand of cards. Your body composition needs to be significantly better than your equal counterpart control person um, to have the same level of say insulin sensitivity and therefore, you know, hopefully all the downstream metabolic beneficial effects there will be of, of being more insulin sensitive. So that's kind of a brief overview um, of it. Um, I'll, I'll stop a second. You mentioned the, the, the term insulin resistance. Mm. Not a lot of people are going to know what that means. Okay. So can you break that down into like the most basic language? Yeah, sure. So essentially we've got this hormone insulin, which I think people probably hear about, but maybe don't always necessarily understand it. And I will say this, I think it's important to point out that when people hear insulin often, and, and you get this from doctors, um, influencers on social media, basically using the term insulin and insulin resistance synonymously. And then one's a hormone and one is what's happening in the body. So people often go, well, if you eat carbohydrate, your body should naturally release insulin. Obviously we've got the type one diabetic situation where they need to inject it. Um, but it's a, a really a fuel selection hormone is the best way of, of saying it. We eat carbohydrate and this hormone is released and it tells our body, look, you've got this carbohydrate in your blood and we need to burn that carbohydrate and we need to store that carbohydrate. So it essentially turns these processes on. It stops you burning fat so that you your most of your energy is being is coming from the oxidation of carbohydrates. So that because if we have too much blood glucose or our blood glucose levels are too high for too long, that is actually bad for us. So the body's doing this. It's a very natural process to release insulin, to burn and store carbohydrate. But often people go, oh, you're spiking insulin. That's a bad thing. And then if you have insulin, it's going to cause insulin resistance. That's not how insulin resistance works. So insulin resistance is 
an issue where the body stops hearing the messages from insulin and your cells stop responding in the in the right way so we don't store carbohydrate as well um and we do get these elevated levels of um blood glucose and then we release more insulin to try and push that into cells and the causes of insulin resistance are they're not simple often people try and they're not even reductionist it's just i guess made up it's when people try to apply like common sense to a very complex biological organism you go well yeah you know if you keep it's almost like well if you keep playing really loud music then it's going to dull your senses it's going to damage your hearing and that's not it's not that's not what a loud signal from insulin does like you can release insulin all day long um i say all day long you can eat carbohydrates in all your meals you release insulin and you store it and you're absolutely healthy and it's not going to it doesn't wear yourself out a good analogy actually is like breathing like you don't go oh you're going to don't breathe too much don't do too much exercise you'll wear your lungs out like that's not how it works um so one of the ways that basically energy toxicity is a term that i've seen used but essentially an excess of energy we basically fill our cells up too much with energy we uh, storing body fat but particularly body fat maybe in the wrong areas so this uh, kind of ectopic fat deposition fat stored around our organs visceral fat and through through intakes of sugar and fat and carbohydrate like excess energy intake leading to this excess fat intake and I, I won't go into some maybe some of the complex signaling reasons but essentially our body stops hearing that signal from insulin and so it then pumps out more insulin and then this within the area of PCOS this then causes issues because actually the ovary doesn't really get the same insulin resistance that maybe your muscle does or your fat tissue does or your liver does and what happens is then the insulin is signaling on the ovaries which then causes basically an abnormal response in your there's these two hormones called luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone but essentially are involved in the reproductive system in both men and women but in females then you it basically screws up the really simply the way the body selects the egg and so just bad stuff starts to happen and you start to get cysts on uh, on ovaries and excess insulin as well is then going to lead to other negative effects such as um excess androgens so these male hormones um which it, it it's just this really negative cascade because you get in this vicious cycle of you then get excess androgens and then that that can can then also downstream lead to more insulin resistance and you you, you then get um uh it, once you start to get elevated plasma fatty acids so your fats go up because they're not being stored appropriately excess plasma so blood sorry fats cause insulin resistance so you, it's just this horrendous vicious cycle but the really fortunate thing is through diet and exercise where you can literally take one step of in that circle out and they just all start getting better you just need to keep this positive pressure on the system versus the negative pressure of 
our Western lifestyle. And in relation to the insulin resistance and the mm. the difficulty some people with PCOS can have in relation to weight loss, does the whole thing of calories in, calories out overrule the insulin resistance or do they work together or what is the situation? Yeah, good question. So this is a real funny one and it goes beyond PCOS, this question, because we like type 2 diabetes for your listeners is another um, situation where insulin resistance is an issue. So it's not just PCOS. It's not, you know, in, in, insulin resistance is a big issue for a lot of the population. And I see so often, oh, well, the insulin resistance then leads to more weight gain. And if you ask someone to explain how that happens, even the cleverest of minds would struggle to give you a concise answer. So a bit like, you know, you don't understand something well enough if you can't explain it to a 10-year-old or to your, to your grandmother. If you don't understand a topic well enough to make them understand, you're not there yet. And so you ask anyone to try and explain exactly how that happens, and they'll either give you some random BS answer that you go, that's not how the body works, or that's not science, um, or they'll go, oh, well. And that's what I would do. If someone asked me, I'd go, oh, geez, well here's some ideas of why it might, because at the end of the day, calories and energy balance or fat balance is the master principle. It's the gravity of, you know, when people go, a calorie deficit doesn't work for me. That's basically going, gravity doesn't work for me. No, that's not a thing. <laughs> like it's not, a, it doesn't happen. Like you go to space and maybe there's some weird energetics of calories. It's different. But if you're on earth, a calorie deficit works for you. It's just, that's like going, honestly, whenever I spend more money than I earn, my bank balance doesn't go down. It's like, that's not a thing. You're, you're either stealing, which is probably what they're doing. They're stealing calories. They're eating chips off their kid's plate. It's the same concept. You know, I'm, I'm making some good analogies here. It's like, you're not in a calorie deficit. If you, it, you could not be losing weight in a calorie deficit, as we know, weight is not fat. You know, the scales don't always tell us the exact answer. But if you're in an energy deficit for a prolonged period of time, your body's losing energy. And unless you're losing loads and loads and loads of muscle and low, and you're completely carbohydrate depleted, but at some point you'll start losing fat. That's just how an energy deficit works. So within PCOS, there is an issue a potential issue of a reduced metabolism. So again, people go, well, you know, if I talk about a calorie deficit, people are like, you know, what about people with hypothyroidism? What about people with PCOS? I'm like, yeah, still a calorie deficit. No, I ate in a calorie deficit and I didn't lose. You weren't in a calorie deficit. You were in, you probably ate in, in a predicted calorie deficit. You use some online calculator you weren't in a deficit. It, a deficit is a deficit. If I say cut 500 calories off a, a predicted, estimated maintenance calories that you got off the internet, we're having a different discussion to eat in a deficit for you in your situation. So with PCOS, yes, they may have a slightly slower metabolic rate and therefore their deficit is, gonna, is going to 
be in a different place to someone who didn't have that, but it's still just a deficit. So it does mean that they're dealt, like I said, a more difficult hand of cards. And, you know, I try and talk on my podcast often just about acceptance. Like once you accept the hand of cards you've been dealt, you can start making progress from that point. You can stop feeling like the world's unfair. You can stop blaming others. You can stop searching for magic pills or whatever and go, this is the hand I've been dealt. It's going to be a tough, it's going to be a hard road, but I know what I need to do. And you can make a bit of a better, more informed decision that way. So in answer to your question, like the uh, calories in, calories out, you know, is still what people need to focus on if they're wanting to reduce body fat. I really like those analogies. You you have got, got a few analogies this morning. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, I'll have good. to watch this back and remember yeah. them, write them down. <laughs> they're very good. Um, but I think, and I, I really like that co message of acceptance. Uh, like this is the hand that you are dealt with, but it doesn't mean it's beyond hope. It's, you can still adjust the playing field. It's like someone may have a potential lower income, but still doesn't mean you can't have fun and enjoy yourself and live the life that you want to. It just means that you may have to cut back on a few things mm. in relation to being able to potentially put a little bit more food in your plate or whatever it may yeah. be. So it, it, it's 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 a uh, the great analogies. What are some of the like maybe the top two or three myths that you hear on a daily basis with PCOS? Because there there there's so many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, one that I'm. I guess I've just started posting uh, on TikTok uh, recently. And honestly, oh my goodness, what? It's a cesspit. It's a cesspit. What a good word. It's a cesspit. <laughs> uh, I, I had someone saying, she, she came onto my post where I'm trying to help people. And, and I, I think she commented 17 times and into my one comment. She, she did about five comments. I replied kind of explaining. She was like, what do you know about PCOS? I replied one. Then there's a, there's a, there's another 12 comments. And what her last comment was, you're harassing women with PCOS. I said, I said, please, and that was my second comment. Please just take a look at what your definition of harassment. I've rep- p- replied politely to your five comments. You've then proceeded to bombard me, harass me with these abusive, like, oh my goodness. So there's, this is the gluten thing is such a, a an area. I'm just trying to help people, right? Like, there's this, and it's like I just said, focusing on what matters. If you give an individual who's already been dealt this difficult hand of cards, you 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 defocus them, you pull their focus away from what matters towards gluten because you believe that gluten, and you know, you see so often on even on my Instagram comments, well, I believe, and I'm like, and I just kind of write, science doesn't care about your beliefs, like. You're entitled to your opinion, but not your own facts. It's just um, another funny one, actually, is everyone's entitled to be heard, but not everyone's entitled to be taken seriously. That's if I'm in a mean mood, that's the one I use. Um, Because I'm just like, what what do you expect me to take seriously? Well, I believe this. I I don't care about your belief. I'm talking about the entire body body of literature around a scientific topic that I have a fairly good understanding of. But gluten, there's one study that I'm really ever aware of in PCOS with regards to gluten. And they essentially took women. There's no control group. So like straight away, you're like, 
okay, what's what are we talking about here? And they just literally went, cut out all gluten, but also all grains. So even non-gluten containing grains. So basically zero carb. And they went, but obviously they got to eat some eat some vegetables and fruit. They said, cut out all dairy, except they encourage the intake daily of full fat cheese, which is such a bizarre like curveball in the study. And then they went, so these women were eating like in a thousand calorie deficit. That was another thing. And they lost. And then there were certain aspects of their PCOS that improved. And then they're like, see, low starch, low dairy diet, good for PCOS. And it's like, what? This is the worst, the least controlled study I've ever seen. <laughs> this is basically something on like TV where they've gone, we got two groups of people. And then we said, to, it's just, it's rubbish. Um, so but people go, yeah, see, you shouldn't eat gluten. And it's like, oh my goodness. And then you ask people, well, what is it you think that is the issue with gluten and PCOS? Like what, or, or even dairy. So these are my two myths. You ask for two myths, dairy and gluten, I think are my two, two main ones that I see. And the gluten one is like, well, in this book by this joker, this non-peer reviewed book based on someone's opinion, he says that's gluten. And, and it's this, it, it's even just outside of PCOS, you, you know, that people demonize gluten or wheat or bread. And there's this book, Wheat Belly, which has been thoroughly debunked. And essentially when gluten is broken down, you get these um, gluten peptides, which have similar structures to opioids. So essentially, so it's like your, your endorphins. So they actually call them exorphins. So what they're basically saying is you eat bread, you eat gluten, you break this down into these gluten peptides and they have a similar structure to certain opioid, you know, opioids as in, you know, endorphins, which I think, you know, people know you get released from exercise and stuff like that, but, but also making this link to like addictive drugs. And then essentially you eat this gluten containing food and then you don't eat it and your body's like, I need it. I need more of the drugs, man. Like, give me the drugs. And so then you go and you're going to go and find bread and you're going to eat more. And then you get a bigger hit of these drugs. And then you go, and th this is the, I essentially the idea behind, because then if you eat bread, then you eat too much and you increase your calorie intake and you get fat. And that's why when you cut out bread, you lose weight. And it's like, no, when you tell people to cut out gluten, they essentially cut out a, a bunch of carbohydrates and they lose weight. And then after a while, what happens is people get good at finding grains that don't contain gluten and they end up going back to normal. And they're, you know, it's a bit like when someone tends to go low carb, for instance, they tend to lose weight, but then they realize how much bacon and butter they're allowed to eat and they end up going back to calorie maintenance. So it's just, but th there's other stuff like, oh, gluten's bad for your gut. But there's actually, a, a, I think it was published this year. It was in celiac patients, but essentially celiac patients being, which is a situation where they need to cut out gluten. Like it's really, really important. Um, but actually the gut health of these celiac patients from a gut microbiota perspective became what we would probably deem more unhealthy like the the species diversity, like bifidobacterium, which is one of these sort of pop culture famous gut back good back bacteria, good gut.
gut bacteria was in significantly lowered in the celiac patient group who were cutting out gluten. So versus the control group. So this whole idea of like, oh yeah, cut out gluten, like you're going to get healthy. It's like, well, actually in people who do cut out gluten and we've measured them, we've done a really good, well done um, trial, their guts actually are seemingly getting somewhat more unhealthy. And, you know, that this also then relates to like um, dairy. It's why do you think dairy is bad? Well, it causes inflammation. That's That's the number one comment I get inflammation because inflammation is a um one of the things you see commonly in women with pcos is, is yeah. an inflammatory state which of course a calorie deficit is really 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 good for being anti-inflammatory and then it's like we need to cut out dairy because it's inflammatory and then you go where's the evidence of this like show me a study and then again there's plenty of you know um I'm trying to think of the author, but I think it's like a 2020 paper, which was basically just a review of the entire body of evidence literature and essentially showing that dairy intake is related to a anti-inflammatory effect, overall anti-inflammatory effect in those with metabolic disorders. The strength is even greater in terms of anti-inflammatory effect. And the only people who get a pro-inflammatory effect are those with essentially bovine based allergies so people with milk allergies so which is obvious it's like well of course people with milk allergies shouldn't have milk cool we're all on board but the rest of us it's a different it's a different scenario so for me those are the two most common most annoying because you tell someone to cut dairy and they cut we know protein is probably a good thing in lots of these situations it's been specifically studied in pcos like even positive psychological benefits of a slightly elevated protein intake in those with pcos which those with pcos can have it's quite a wide-ranging syndrome in terms of the negative impacts because of the hormonal implications but if you can improve someone's psychology it's a great it's a great benefit um and above and beyond that, some of the impacts it might help with in terms of adherence to a calorie deficit, which I'm sure you're aware of. And, you know, the fact that it might help their body composition if they want to do anything in that arena. But um, you tell someone to cut out dairy and it cuts out a whole range of protein foods that they can eat, uh, you know, alongside other micronutrients that they can benefit from. So, um, yeah, I wish those two myths would die. There's so many more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many more. Well, there's some uh, really weird ones as well, which are just, they're not even worth discussing because they're hard to debunk because there's just no research. Yeah, just plucked out of thin air. But I think yeah. what, a lot of the stuff that you were kind of mentioning was kind of causation versus correlation, that there's happened one thing and they're jumping on another bandwagon yeah. on it. So I think it's important for people to be careful where they are getting their information from. Mm-hmm. And if it sounds too good to be true, that's generally where it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's generally the rule of thumb I use when I'm kind of reading papers as well. One of the the big things that you spoke about on M and U when it was when I did the course anyway, I'm not still sure it's the same. Was mentioning myo-inositol. Mm. Can you talk about what myo-inositol is? How this can help someone with PCOS? And is there anyone out there who shouldn't actually take it? Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, it's always a funny. You know, I had this question recently about what. What is myonositol? And it's kind of tricky to explain in terms of, you know, if someone goes to you like, what is 
what is carbohydrate or what is creatine? You're like, oh, where, where do I start in terms of, do you want to know the chemical formula? Do you want to know the chemical makeup? But it's um, essentially, uh, inositol is a substance that is incorporated into cell membranes. And it's really, really common in our food supply. You know, it's, it's in fruits and nuts and it's, it's in food. It's not creatine, I suppose, is something like, oh, it's found in red meat. It's a bit, I would say, less common, but it's still a, you know, fairly natural thing. Um, in, it's incorporated into cell membranes and there are some dis, there's some dysregulation of the different pathways with regards to the inositols. So there's more than one, there's other inositols. Um, and, but it plays an important role in some of the stuff we've already discussed today. So essentially, once it's incorporated into these cell membranes, it's like a secondary messenger for, for the body signaling uh, around v quite a number of different hormones, but particularly things like insulin uh, as one of, the, one of the key ones. And also, I believe, um, like follicle-stimulating hormone as well. Um, so if you have a dysregulation in this pathway and a dysregulation in that signaling, that can exacerbate the insulin resistance we're seeing. So the benefit is if you supplement with, I guess what we would call supraphysiological doses, um, we can end up incorporating this in Ostol as we should be. And it, and it leads to a benefit. So um, by taking a dose of say two to it, it's only two to three grams like it's not it doesn't seem a lot but again to get that from food it's you know be a lot more a difficult lot, yeah. taking that you know a couple of times a day and essentially what this then does is it can improve that signaling so anything then that that then has an impact on we can start to see improvements in oh you know the whole myriad of issues we see in PCOS so and it, it varies for different people it you know it's not just gonna you know quote unquote cure someone uh, there's a, there's a pharmaceutical drug called metformin that lots of women with PCOS will be prescribed and some people you know there's a lot of hating that goes on I think with pharmaceutical drugs despite the fact that most people I know like I know I have one friend and she won't like, she won't even take paracetamol and I'm like, fair play. Like, you know, she'll be hung over and she won't take paracetamol. And I'm like, it's also funny that she'll be hung over. She's like, you're not, you're not, you know, she's quite healthy and she's like a bit of a, I don't know, woo woo, you know, spiritual sort of whatever. Um, but she'll happily drink a lot of alcohol, but then, but she won't, you know, she, I don't trust the drug companies, but it's like, we do trust the distilleries and the breweries or whoever they are. <laughs> but anyway, um, but most people will happily take some paracetamol if they've got a headache, but then you go, okay, we'll take this metformin. And it's like, Oh, the drug companies. Oh, it's big pharma. And I, I'm big pharma. I don't particularly like either. There are some really, really unethical practices there, but the life-giving effect that metformin has given to several individuals I've worked with, it does work for some people. The problem is, is some people get horrible side effects. And it's those you then hear about on the internet. You don't really get, 
I've seen this big thing recently about posture pill for people who use antidepressants. And it's just been this really brilliant thing of like, no one talks about it. There's lots of stigma. And um, if you're getting a benefit, you don't necessarily talk about it always. But you're starting to see almost like this, um, it's a bit like the opposite of in studies. Often this only the studies with positive effects get published and the ones where they didn't get any findings don't. And you unfortunately that then causes a bias and it's the same way with that. Whereas you don't get people going, oh, metformin, it's really amazing. It's changed my, you know, you just don't get it. But inositol can be used either instead of or or as an adjunct to um, metformin. So the question I often get, which relates to the last part of your question, is there anyone who shouldn't? People often say, well, I'm taking metformin. So should I stop that to take inositol? I'm like, well, definitely don't stop taking a drug that a doctor's told you to take that, that you're getting a benefit from. But actually the studies have been done with them combined and they actually work via, via slightly different mechanisms um, or not slightly, completely. Um, so you can take both and... Uh, you can get sort of additive benefits from doing so. The other question I often get with the last part of your question is pregnancy or um, because what will often happen is, and it's so funny, I don't know if you've seen any of my Instagram stories where basically people are like, Martin, thank you so much. I got pregnant because of you. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Rewind a bit. Give me a bit of context here. But it's so, so many people now. It's so cool. I think I think it was probably 2019-ish when I first really started because for 10 plus years, I've been reading the literature on inositol. And, you know, it's it's still, even today, not first-line therapy. You know, the, you, you're not going to your doctor and they're not regularly, it's not in NICE guidelines or anything like that. But... Um, yeah, just, you know, I eventually I was just like, the the evidence is just so compelling yeah. um, in terms of in, in the area of fertility and basically regaining menstrual cycle and, and improving the dysfunction and all the other things, you know, in terms of changing in androgens and, and the stuff that has on, you know, mood and complexion and, and um, facial, uh, facial hair or body hair growth. But anyway, uh when they then go, oh my goodness, I'm pregnant. Can I keep taking it? The answer is yes, you can. Um, so I feel like those are the two cool things to tell people that are really helpful. Um, I There's no particular situation I know of that would make it contraindicated. Um, so the answer is kind of no. Um, yeah, have, have I answered all three sort of parts no, of that? Spot on. And, I, and, I, and I, I can relate to what you said about getting those messages of kind of like, I'm pregnant, thank you so much. But and also being aware <laughs> of what have I been up to? <laughs> but at the same time, like I think in the last, like I, I coach a lot of people with PCOS and I think in the last three or four, I think it's four months, we've nearly got a five-a-side team from those who wow. have so, so we're cool. missing we're missing a goalkeeper that's all amazing okay so, cool. and, and there's one with twins from who who's used uh inositol and management bcos and stuff so it, it mm. i've seen it with clients it does change lives it does work but if you have any questions just don't feel free to ask martin or myself and we'll, we'll, we'll point in the right direction the last question i'm going to go on to is a little bit left field and away from pcos and i think it's in relation to the type okay. of people that are, 
that I think we both of are working with on a daily basis or have been working on a daily basis is in relation to people who are coming from that yo-yo dieting background of I've tried keto, I've tried licking squirrels, I've tried everything else. <laughs> is it is an Adam? Where do you stand on? Is it is it people that are failing diets, or is it diets that are failing people? Because I've asked this question a couple of times on the podcast and I've got very different answers and that's why I love having this the, the conversation mm. on this question yeah that's a it's a, it's a good question because you can't really quote a study per se to go well this is what the evidence says it's I guess it's it allows just for a little level of just oh what's your artistic license on this topic so it's a cool question I'd be interested actually to go back and see what, what other people have said. So I think I, I might be, be giving a bit of a boring answer here, but it's funny because we are writing a layperson's nutrition course. And within that, it's bringing up different questions to questions that we maybe would have asked ourselves in creating Matt Nutrition Uni, which is obviously targeted at, uh, people like yourself, practitioners, people working with clients. Whereas if someone's just wanting the knowledge for themselves and, you know, just to get a bit of a better understanding and then working with a coach from a bit more of a clued up point of view. So they're not maybe bothering their coach with too many understanding questions. You know, the type of people who just ask questions, they want to know know the ins and outs of everything. And it's an interesting one because you do get this situation of, it's very easy to go, you didn't fail the diet, the diet failed you. It's very easy to say that um, and sound very grand. I've, I've probably even said stuff like that on my podcast because certain diets are just stupid. <laughs> certain protocols are just stupid. Certain coaches are just stupid and they are just going, you know, you must eat this way. You must just things that don't work. You know, you must, uh, you know, we've mentioned gluten, but just silly stuff like, oh, you need to be eating all organic food because that's the issue. Oh, you need to manage your hormones. You need to manage your cortisol, blah, blah, blah. Just silly things that aren't. And, and, and then it's just like intermittent fasting is what you need to do, or you need to increase your fat intake to because eat fat to burn fat, just silly, silly, silly things. And so, oh, you know, even just, oh, you need to fast for three days. Like it's fasting, you know, um, whatever his name, Jason Fung, the sort of whatever silly, another silly doctor with a book um, who just, it's just like, you mean create a calorie deficit? No, no, no. It's nothing to do with calories. Just don't eat for three days. Well, I'm pretty sure you'll be in a fairly large calorie deficit if you don't eat. No, it's nothing to do with the calories. It's uh, autophagy and uh mitochondrial biogenesis and you know it's just like just says these big words and it's like you're just putting people in a calorie deficit pal anyway so there, there's that element of the diets can fail the person because they're just silly diets but we had a discussion then of there is also an element of motivation there's also an element of discipline so I, i'm hearing a lot of people talk about motivation and discipline as two different things which you know, agree with it. And sometimes it's like, you might not be motivated to do something, but you have the discipline to do it anyway. And those kind of things. Um, 
but but you know certain diets that do not allow any flexibility in the length of time they're dieting the size of the calorie deficit like i'm very much a huge proponent of flexible dieting practices and not just you can eat ice cream on a diet but actually understanding that flexibility expands to types of foods size of calorie deficit length of deficit periods at maintenance periods at deficit size you know all these things um just fl flexibility in all areas of the of the approach to just simply allow someone to live and exist in a very changing world where they might change jobs their activity might change their level of time might change they might get pregnant they might have a kid their kid might change schools or situation like you know, if a diet doesn't allow these different areas of flexibility, it is going to fail the client. And that's categorically the answer of if the diet simply has not got room to allow someone to live and exist as a human being with needs, the diet's failing. But there's also somewhat an element of um, someone just dieting for the wrong reasons. You know, it's it, it's not the person's fault. I don't ever want this to me being blaming someone. But if you think you're going to hate yourself into change, you failed the diet because your reason for doing it is just categorically incorrect. You cannot hate yourself into change. Likewise, if you think, if I do this, I will be happier. But you're not dealing with the root cause of your unhappiness or your reason for wanting. So, I just don't think you can go one side or the other on this spectrum of there are different strokes for different folks. I think there are inherent things where you can probably say this person failed the diet and this diet failed that person, but it's not just like one rule for all. Um, yeah. Does that, uh, I don't know. No, that makes, that makes sense. Cause I, I had a, I had a conversation with Simon Hill uh, yesterday and I asked him one of the questions was what is a healthy diet? and or what's healthy eating and his answer kind of like it kind of made me sit up a little bit further it was like healthy eating is a diet that doesn't impact your relationship with food nice and i was kind of like that's very profound and i mm. think a lot of people disregard that element of it when they are looking for these so-called quick fixes or fad diets and the irony of a fad diet is it's gonna take, make the process longer mm. like if i was to kind of go through that with you of like what is or is it the person the education isn't there for people in schools. Like I wasn't taught any nutrition stuff from schools. Mm. The system is kind of almost failing people. Mm. Then there's an element of an accountability, knowing why you want to do it. I don't think enough people know why they want to change. Yeah. And hating yourself into change, I think it's, it's going to strike a chord to a lot of people. Mm. And then it's also, well, if the companies know how to manipulate the emotions and the thoughts and the behaviors that people already have, they're obviously going to cash in on it. So there's a three-way structure in things. And yeah. it's, there are elements of taking a little bit of accountability of yourself and saying, right, am I just doing this for the sake of it? And I think a lot of people do that. And I think we've all been there. We've done stupid shit. And sometimes you need to do stupid shit to learn. But sometimes yeah. it's a little bit difficult to get yourself out of that zone because Karen at work said she's been licking eggs or carrots and she's lost 15 pounds in a day. It's yeah. like, no, she hasn't. And yeah. she probably smells like eggs. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I think <laughs> there's so much there. And I know one of the big things we're, we're going to talk about now is in relation to you've got an event coming up on the 19th of November. Can you talk about what's mm. kind of coming up, the topics that are coming up? Because I've been to these 
these uh, these days and stuff like that and they're amazing some of the speakers they have had from i think uh amelia thompson and stuff and then you had well there was a perimenopause lady as well that was there as well because you can expand what's coming up on the 19th of november for you yeah so 19th of november is our kind of annual conference mac nutrition live and uh, as you mentioned earlier it's kind of the daytime education day that we do before the graduation for that year's intake and uh, someone reminded me recently actually when we first thought about doing graduations for uh students you know in person making it a bit more formal celebrating the fact that you've actually achieved something great not just passed a multiple choice test you know after reading a textbook in a weekend and we were actually looking at like a lister um sort of uh comedians to come and do it was like graduation was just going to be a bit not n- nothing to do with education so like we looked into like uh, jack whitehall and, and jimmy carr to come and do like an hour's comedy thing before like doing the graduation so and they were like, well, for that money that, that we would spend on that, we could actually get, we could actually just do, stick to more nutrition and have, you know, big, good speakers, researchers come and do these talks, as well as put on an event that, you know, we make it special. You know, it really, it's like a, I almost wrote in a marketing email, if you buy this ticket, I lose money, you know, just trying to, because I know in in this day and age, it's like, oh, you, you see something that's like 40, I think the dinner ticket is 47 pounds, right? But with the dinner ticket, like I pay for wine for the table. And as well as that, I pay for a coach for you to get to the um, after party venue and then drinks at the after party venue. And then, and it's like a three course gourmet you know, black tie sort of thing. It's like, if you buy this ticket, I lose money, but I want you to be there to enjoy this experience. So, um, you know, we just thought, you know what, rather than paying for a comedian for an hour, we'll just make it a really cool event, which we have done. So again, this this one, we've got three great speakers. We, we haven't announced the actual speakers yet, but we've got one on um, quite a hot topic, I think. It's regarding hypothalamic amenorrhea and energy availability and as well with it from a lens of somewhat disordered eating and eating disorders type concept which i think again just lots of people in the industry and even people themselves you know like with menstrual cycle dysfunction or even maybe something that is thought to be hypothalamic amenorrhea there are some really interesting nuances so that's going to have some really cool case studies um on it then we've got um, a talk on intentional weight loss, which again, I think is very current. So essentially talk title like is, is getting my clients to intentionally lose weight, doing them more harm than good, which I think is a really common narrative at the minute with regards to um, body positivity, weight stigma, health at every size, these kind of things. And, you know, the fact that I think for a long time, the industry has ignored the fact that losing weight isn't a zero sum game. Like it's not just, oh, if you lose weight, you're really healthy. Like you've already mentioned it about impacting your relationship with food. Like if you come out the end with, you know, slightly improved systolic and diastolic blood pressure, but you've got an eating disorder, you've probably not won the game. Um, you're probably worse off. So that that's a, that'll be a really cool talk. And then we've got uh, a third talk, which is really quite interesting, looking at basically 
relationship with food, but some quite cutting edge research in the area of like um, essentially through a body-based or somatic lens of improving, improving relationship with food and some of the signaling that goes on. So that's, that's going to be quite a high level, really quite cool talk, I think. And then there's a roundtable discussion at the end, um, Q&A, which I'm going to join in on. Because um, for once, I'm not speaking because I just, ugh, it sort of ruins the day for me if I have to do a talk. I think someone, I think someone bailed the year that, of my graduation. I think you had to step up. I think you were writing the notes for the talk as the other speakers were on. Yeah, yeah, that was, that's twice not twice once that's happened and once actually one of our first conferences it wasn't a graduation i set myself the challenge of like a summary of the, all of the day's talks to like do a sort of summary summer tip i did quite enjoy the pressure of that one because it was nice but that other one yeah that was a stitch up i did not like that um but yes yeah, so i'm gonna give myself the day off so i can just enjoy it and just mingle and and see people but yeah 19th of november and actually i haven't told you this but we've created a 10 percent discount code for your listeners um i might email that to you um yep. but it's like um swp for shameless podcast obviously um 10 swp 10 so for, for your listeners and then they can get 10 percent off a ticket if they want to attend but it's in nottingham um which is very easy it's very easy east, east midlands airport for all of very our easy. wonderful irish contingent so yeah um that'd be a great day so it, it's um like the all day education day, but then obviously if people want to, we have the cool dinner and then the after party and, and all that jazz. So yeah. yeah. And uh, Nottingham's a cool city. It's a university city. So there's loads mm -hmm. of stuff for nights out. And if you're into matches and stuff, Nottingham, or I don't know what matches they have that weekend, but yeah, yeah. they're in the premiership now. Stuff so. going on. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so there's loads going on. And where can people find out about not another podcast, not another nutrition podcast as well? Yeah. So just all of my stuff. Um, I'm like, posting up snippets and stuff on my instagram martin nutrition but yeah not another nutrition podcast is i'm now doing it i don't know if you've seen this but you can uh all spotify you can do videos so yeah. i used to just say like youtube if you want to watch it or apple or spotify if you want to listen but spotify now you've got the option of switching between the two which is quite cool so yeah people can get those and even i think it goes out to I think for Android users, there's some funny apps that you, you, I'm an Android user. So yeah. Yeah. What apps. do you, what do you listen to podcasts? I use Spotify. Spotify. Okay, cool. I think back in the day, it's like a caster or well, I think one of them, Stand I think uh, one of the podcast apps now is, is gone. I think that the ones that they're kind of like one of the hosts is gone. Really? Okay. I think one of the big ones that a lot of, I think it's like the membership podcast ones. Okay. I think they've gone out of, uh, they're closing the office here in Ireland. Makes. Yeah, uh, so it's a little bit. Uh, Spotify, yeah, Spotify is where it's at anyway. So, yeah. uh, and you can leave reviews up on on iTunes and Spotify, which is a nice segue. Please do leave reviews up and, and share it with friends. Martin, I cannot thank you enough for coming on, giving up so much of your time, yeah. and I wish you the very best of luck with the event on the nineteenth of November. Yes, thank you very much. Good speaking with you. Thank you, massive. Thank you again for Martin for coming on to the podcast and. Thank you again for supporting the podcast through 300 episodes. Here's to whatever no, however amount we, we kind of go forward with going forward. Just want to say a massive thank you again for listening to the episode. If you have got any questions on this or want to work with me on a one-to-one -one capacity or in the group capacity as well, feel free to pop me a DM or use the links in the write-up. And I would highly recommend going over to Martin's talk that is on the, on the 19th of November. November 2022 over in Nottingham and that code again is SWP10. 
and that will give you 10% off of the price. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Please do tag, share, review, whatever it may be. So thank massive thank you again for listening to the episodes.